You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. You know, Mary, I know this kind of got lost in the news of the British royals and kind of all the important things there. And of course, really important things here in this country with the passage of <laughs> the British Royals. Like, I cannot believe how many people watch that, how much news coverage that's gotten. And the only thing I can say about it is it does mean we're getting back to normal, where what's happening with the British loyal Royals is leading the news. <laughs> I absolutely. And it, you know, several things struck me as being important in that. One, given the number of people that watched it, everything we've read for the last, I don't know, five, 10 years is how media is totally fractured and segmented, except when it's Oprah and the British Royals. <laughs> and, and then it's like watching Roots in the 1970s. Everybody watches it. Oprah pockets like seven million bucks from it. And I guess that's the second thing. Who knew that Oprah was still culturally relevant. And she apparently is. I guess. And I guess she's, I mean, that guy's now we're talking about it too, but it's the backstory. So she's been working on this interview since before those two got married. She's friends with, uh, what's her name? Meghan Markle. So the Royals would never allow the queen or whoever makes a decision wouldn't allow her to interview them until now. That's what I heard. But the one thing I thought, it has united the United States against England. (laughs) You know, because their view of the coverage and our view of the coverage is so different. Again, I haven't really watched it, but I was having a conversation this morning with Mo about this racist thing, like what color will the baby be? And I said to him, I wonder, I would love to have known how that happened in context, because... You know, I mean, before my kids were born, I'm sure mom said something like, you think they'll have kinky hair? Because you have very (laughs) curly hair. And I never thought that, you know, that was a racist thing. It was like, you speculate when you come from two very different uh, ethnic groups. But anyway, that's me. It's very hard to offend me. And so I... But back to what's really... Well, and one last thing uh, on Oprah. What I would have loved is if she had ended the interview and said, Harry, Megan, we're going to finish, and we have a car for both of you, a new car. (laughs) And And you need it. You need it because you're kind of at the end. So anyway, that's going on. The relief bill's going on. uh, And it kind of almost got lost in the middle of that, that the Pope went to Iraq, right? And... And it was yeah. a dangerous mission for a couple of things. I mean, there, there is still uh, violence going on. Uh, their missiles are being shot. And there are concerns uh, about COVID. What did you think about the Pope? Were, was this a story of interest or was this really less than Oprah's interview? No, no, no. I thought this was really interesting. And I did read, um, I think it was in the Times, that that's something he's really wanted to do since he took over the papacy. 
and in a mission to kind of bring the great world's religions together and help them understand meaning Islam, Judaism, and uh, Christianity. There's We have more in common than we have separate. And that COVID, I think he had like planned to go a year ago and then COVID put that off. And then once he was fully vaccinated. So I, I do think there were controversies, one of which is the security issue, just the plain security issue. And then even though he was vaccinated, was it dangerous to put these people in groups when Iraq has very few vaccinations and ha- has really struggled with the COVID issue? So I did think the timing of it was um, maybe not great. Uh, but I, I think that Francis was just itching to go. Well, and the the papacy, the popes have been itching to go for a while. Way back when Saddam Hussein was still there, uh, the pope, which I'm assuming would have been J2P2 uh, at that, that point, <laughs> uh, was trying to do a trip and, uh, and Saddam killed it. Uh, so, I mean, that's, you know, that's a long time ago. That's 2003 or before that. Uh, so yeah, within yeah. that period of time. And and there's a reason. And I, I, I got to warn the viewers, this is kind of geeky alert. Uh, but that's what they yeah, love about you, know, <laughs> You know, there certainly are pressing issues today. And one of them is the decline in the Christian community. It's gone from like a million and a half Christians to somewhere 300, 400,000 uh, because of ISIS and all the terror that went with that. Many Christians just, you know, got out of the country if they could and with with good reason. So, I mean, that's a concern. What you mentioned is concern. The Pope has been very, very interested in how to bring especially the three great religions of Abraham uh, together. And nothing does that more than going to Ur, which is uh, where Abraham comes from. That's the beginning of uh, of everything. So how do they know that? I mean, this was so interesting. Actually, I learned a lot with the Pope in Iraq that I did not know, or if I knew sometime when I was a kid, I have forgotten and how do they know that's where Abraham was well, from? Well, it's specifically stated in uh, in Genesis, in the Bible. So, mm. I mean, you've got to kind of accept that or not accept that. Although the, the memory, see if I say this right, the memory of the Jewish people from much later, uh, you know, like roughly 6th century, when much of this is being written written down, is very clear that they are not from Canaan. They are not from Palestine, that they came from the east and that specifically they came from Mesopotamia and the town was this town of Ur, U-R. What's interesting is how much that says to them, we came from a very uh, civilized, uh, educated place because most scholars uh, place Abraham and his departure at about the time of Hammurabi. So this is not just, you know, we get a picture just of a lot of nomads wandering around. Uh, Babylon at that point, or Mesopotamia at that point, is the code of Hammurabi. Much of the vestige, or not the vestige, much of the source 
of civilization is going on there. So this kind of underlying narrative that, yes, we know we are nomads coming into this foreign land, but we come from a place of great learning and distinction. I think that underlies that. Does that make some so sense? So is that... It does. I mean, that's really interesting. It's one reason I wanted to talk to you about this, because I knew you'd know all this stuff. But is that, so that's really the birthplace of a single God, the belief in um, one deity. Because what kind of religion were the people there before? Animus or? Uh, They are, and it is probably not the birthplace of monotheism. Uh, This group comes and there's a variety of God figures. But what they meet up with later is Egypt. And Egypt, I think we have good reason to believe, had developed monotheism. We know in particular that one king emperor, Pharaoh, right word, by the name of Akhenaten uh, in Egypt, had moved Egypt very painfully to monotheism. It then reverted back after that. But this other memory that uh, the Jewish people had was that they had come from Mesopotamia, but they had gone to Egypt and they came from there. So, you know, by the time they really begin developing as a people, and I'm going to put that around a thousand BCE, Solomon who's kind of the second king, dies in 900 uh, B.C. So there's some sense of of empire there. They have three big threads in their belief. Our roots are in Mesopotamia, the seat of learning. We had an experience of being a people who were captured in Egypt, number two. And now we have come to this land, which actually isn't ours, but it's okay because God promised it to us. And those three kind of come together in one place. All right. So at least we, even with all of that, um, Ur or Abraham is seen, right? I mean, in our Christianity, Islam, and Judaism as kind of the father of monotheism? The father, absolutely. Because he recognizes uh, that there is one God. Now, Actually, within the history of Judaism, after Abraham, the idea that there is only one God is not clear for a long time. It probably does not fully emerge till around the 6th century. Instead, what they saw as monotheism is not that there was only one God, but that their God was the best God and the strongest God. And so there's constant mention of other gods and worshiping other gods, all those things go on. It's, it's there within, uh, within Moses. But our God is the best God, which I guess is kind of partly saying he's the only God because he's the strongest of them. Mon- he's the biggest he, God. He's the, he's the prime he's God. He's the best <laughs> God that there is. Now, this goes on to another interesting thing about Iraq. More nerd here. In 586 BCE, and you are welcome to question why I know that date in particular, but uh, Babylon finally gets tired of Jerusalem and the kingdom of, of Judah. They're supposed to pay tribute. They don't pay it. 
lots of things go on. And Babylon levels Jerusalem and takes about 80,000 of the leading Jews and takes them to Babylon, where they will stay there for another, it's not exactly 40 years, but uh, roughly that period of time. Then Babylon gets defeated by Persia, and Persia says, we don't need all these Jews about here. You guys, if you want to, go home. Follow the numbers here. 40,000 go home. Now, about 80,000 got there first, and they had babies. A big group stayed in Babylon, and a very substantial and very educated Jewish community developed. This is way back in like 530 BCE. In our very Western-oriented view of Judaism, uh, we think of everything happening like in Israel or in Asia Minor. No, one of the biggest and most important communities was in Babylon. It continued that way. One more step, and I'll, I'll leave this alone. So come to the time of Jesus. When the apostles, like Paul and others, went, and we think of it as the trips of conversion and Christianity begins, that doesn't really happen in Jerusalem. That's a backwater, and it gets destroyed in 70 in the Common Era. They go out to the Jewish communities, and there were a million Jews living outside of uh, Palestine. Those groups really could take a choice. The temple is gone. Do we follow rabbinic Judaism or do we follow Christ Judaism? There is no Christianity. It's all within there. And so two guys, St. Thomas the Apostle and the guy we call Thaddeus, who is probably the one who's also called Jude, go east and they go to Iraq, which very quickly converts to Christianity. One last quick footnote on that is that that Thaddeus is probably Jude, who's the brother of Jesus. So this was one of the earliest, most important Christian settlements. So that's interesting. And, and all of that is the background to that trip. One of the things I wanted before we run out of time to talk about is why um, the Pope really felt the need to talk to the Shiites. It's just like a whole other series, the difference between the Shiites and the Sunnis, and we may have to do that at some point. But one of the things that I was thinking that Catholicism, right, which is a, is not Christianity necessarily, like it's a sect, right? right. I mean, you have all the Christians, and we are Christians, but we're a specific sect within that, the long history but Catholicism is to Shia uh, Islam as uh, all the other, the Protestants, are to Sunni. So I want you to chew on that a little bit, and I think we should come back and talk to it, because why was it very important for the Pope to make the connection with the Shia? I think we, and I think it, we will come back to that, and I think there's lots of answers within all of that. And I would kind of justify my extended history uh, thing to say, you know who else knows all that history really well? The Pope. Hmm. Yes. The Pope knows all that stuff. If you go and ask him, who are the apostles who went to Iraq? Man, he can reel that right off. Well, I mean, he does. And you know, he does it in Spanish, it, but. 
I mean, so if you're the Pope and this trip is very important to you, I mean, which I feel like it was because he took a lot of risks to do it because he can maybe see in the future a coming together of the great religions as opposed to this continued division and killing based on these religious traditions. Okay, as we go, Mm -hmm. I want to thank any listener who still has this podcast on and lived through... (laughs) Honest to God, you listen to all that. You're the best. (laughs) Bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.